This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. CannabisRadio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on Location. Featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. Hi, this is Adrian Collin reporting for CannabisRadio.com from the Cannabinoids 2019 conference in Berlin, Germany, hosted by the International Association for Cannabinoid Medicines. I'm speaking with Bonnie Goldstein, a trained pediatrician who works as a cannabis specialist in California. Dr. Goldstein presented today on uh, cannabis in pediatrics and spoke about, in particular, epilepsy, autism, um, and cancer. Dr. Goldstein, what can you tell us about this fascinating field? Well, the good news is it's now starting to be accepted by other physicians. I've been doing this for about 11 years, and unfortunately, I'm one of the only few doctors of who will treat pediatric patients uh, with cannabinoid medicines. Uh, But luckily, uh, we are starting to see other physicians embrace uh, cannabis as medicine and understand that we can alleviate unnecessary suffering using cannabis as medicine. You spoke about quality of life improvements and things like needing less medications and less hospitalizations. Um, was that in particular for epilepsy patients or across the, across the board with things like autism or whatever? Sure. It's a good question. So children with refractory epilepsy, meaning epilepsy seizures that don't respond to the conventional medications, and by the way, about 35% of patients with seizures do not respond to conventional medications. That's one out of every three. And epilepsy and seizures is a common disorder. So we're not talking about a very small group. We're talking about quite a large group of people who suffer with ongoing seizures despite state-of-the-art you know, new medications that are on the market. And, of course, these medications have a very uh, long list of side effects. Of course, in the population I treat, these are children with developing brains, and we know that seizures can cause brain damage. And what we're trying to do is uh, stop whatever seizures we can stop. Uh, Back in the 1980s, Dr. Raphael Meshulam in Israel discovered that CBD, uh, cannabidiol, the non-intoxicating compound in cannabis, 
actually worked as an anticonvulsant and was quite well tolerated. But then, of course, with prohibition in so many places, uh, there was no further research until about uh, six or seven years ago, a little girl in Colorado was featured in a documentary whose parents were basically told that she was just to go home and die, and they refused to accept this and started using CBD. Um, since then, I personally have treated hundreds of patients, uh, pediatric patients with epilepsy, and when you ask the families who are getting success, and what we're seeing is around an 85% success rate, not seizure freedom, what we're seeing is about 10 to 15% of patients are able to have freedom from seizures, meaning they st the seizures stop completely. But what we're seeing is probably close to 40% have an over 50% reduction of seizures, right? And so uh, this gives children who are already in kind of a hopeless category a second chance, right, sure. to, to do well. Um, when you ask the parents... You know, what do you see? This is what they're reporting. Way less side effects than the conventional medications. Uh, my child is starting to do things that my child didn't do before. Better eye contact, more alert, more awake, more vocalization, starting to talk. And less hospitalizations, less ER visits, less use of rescue medication, and the list goes on. In where I practice in Los Angeles, uh, cannabis medicine is not reimbursed. Uh, by uh, insurance companies. So this is an out-of-the-pocket medicine that parents have to pay for. It can be quite expensive. And I will share with you that parents are not going to pay for medicine. That does not work. And so to see an 86, 85% uh, response rate um, and have parents very willingly continue to purchase this medicine, uh, I think that says a lot about it. There's varying reports and retrospective studies uh, so at least four retrospective studies that I know of where, you know, basically families were interviewed in, in depth about their experience using uh, cannabis, CBD mostly, but also THC and uh, THCA, which is the raw form of THC. And what um, these patients are reporting is significant reduction of seizures, but again, only about 10 to 15 percent of them actually get full seizure freedom. Remember, this is an we are in the infancy of this as well. So we only really have reports from the, you know less than a decade. So the, the big question is, is, are we not giving them enough? Is it the formulation that they're taking? And certainly advances in bioavailability and um, being able to measure CBD levels in the blood. All of these things we're not able to do now I do think that we may get better numbers as we move forward with the science and technology. Okay, fantastic. And it's uh, definitely THC and THC acid as well as CBD um, separately and in combination? or what? All of the above. Yep. So I do not have a strict protocol on how I treat patients. I allow the patient's response to the medication to dictate the treatment. This way we can personalize and customize. I will share with you that if I did the same protocol with every single patient, I would not see the success rate that I see. Um, because, let's say for some children, CBD just does not jive with their system. It's not for them. And, for instance, today I presented a, a little girl that has a genetic disorder that caused her to have hundreds and hundreds of seizures. CBD helped with brain function, neurocognitive. She became more alert, more awake, started smiling, started making eye contact with her parents. But it did not change the number of seizures. When we added THCA into the mix, 
that's when we saw a greater than 90% reduction of seizures. And it wasn't right out of the gate. And that's one thing that people must realize is this is not, oh, I took it and I'm better tomorrow. This is a medicine that you must start low dose and titrate up to effect. And it can take anywhere from three months to a year, sometimes two years, to figure out the protocol. The beauty of it is, is it's very well tolerated. It's a very uh, safe profile, despite all the propaganda that we've been fed over the years. Yeah, how do you justify that to doctors around the world who might be thinking about treating a child um, with cannabinoids but have been scared or indoctrinated to believe that that's not um, a good thing? I mean, they talk about the developing brain um, being particularly susceptible to damage. But I I guess, um, for me, things like epilepsy, autism and, and cancer, so, like the damage is much greater from the disease, um, but what about right. you know maybe less serious conditions? Sure. Um, well, let me explain. What we have to remember is that we're not giving cannabis without understanding much of what's going on. So we must understand that we have a system in our brain and in our body called the endocannabinoid system. This is a system made up of receptors and compounds that we make as humans, right? We, our cells make these compounds that bind to the receptors, and there's a purpose for that, or else our brain wouldn't and our bodies wouldn't do that. The endocannabinoid system, its job, its role, is to maintain what we call homeostasis or balance. So in the brain, its main role is to balance neurotransmitter, the chemicals that our brains make, like serotonin, dopamine. So its job is to balance the messages that neurotransmitters are sending. So, for instance, a condition such as autism, very recent research in the last one to two years, both in Israel and in California, studies have shown that children with autism do not make the same levels of endocannabinoids that are, quote, normal levels. So that is a deficiency. If you have an endocannabinoid deficiency, similar, let's say, to an insulin deficiency. If you have an insulin deficiency, we call you a type 1 diabetic, and we allow you to take insulin from an external source you put into your body to keep your sugar in homeostasis, in balance. So it's a good analogy for people to understand that we make other compounds to maintain homeostasis. That's the job of our thyroid, right? So the job of the endocannabinoid system is to maintain balance in the three main places where it works is the brain, the immune system, and the gut. And so and if you have an imbalance in your endocannabinoid system, you may manifest this as an illness of one of these conditions. So what are seizures? What is autism? There is good scientific evidence, peer-reviewed, documented in well-known journals that endocannabinoid deficiency, it can be root cause for these conditions that we're discussing. And then if we don't replace the endocannabinoids, we are leaving these patients untreated. And again, when I give children cannabis oil, it is not magic fairy dust. If I give it to them and they respond, we know where it's working. It's working most of in the endocannabinoid system. There's also targets outside of the endocannabinoid system. In fact, CBD has 65 different brain targets, complex medicine, right, multi-targeted. But at the same time, we must understand that this is not magic, right? We have to give it a chance to work. When we talk about developing brains, a developing brain that has an intact, healthy endocannabinoid system, should likely avoid taking a source of external cannabinoids, i.e., if you do not have type 1 diabetes, do not take insulin, right? But in children who clearly have illness that may be related to the endocannabinoid system, 
of course you must address that or you're leaving a child in a deficiency state and that is just not, to me, that's malpractice. That's not okay. Thank you for explaining that. Um, you mentioned a rationale for use of, is that it's safe and effective when managed um, and I think um, uh, that's really important um, that a doctor's guidance is, is going to be vital in getting these results. You mentioned with autism, um, it stops the crazy behaviour and you start to see the person underneath. Would you say that would also be predominantly from a particular cannabinoid or there's just, again, it depends it on depends. the particular patient? Right. Each patient is, is very um, individual. Your endocannabinoid system is individual to you. This idea of a cookie-cutter type of treatment for patients just doesn't work with cannabis medicine. Okay, um, and for um, cancer, um, you mentioned that really high doses are required yes. in order to get these results, and you're saying... I shouldn't say required. It's okay. what we're doing, because we're, of course, prohibited from doing research in the United States, other countries. There are, no, there are literally two clinical trials mm. in, for cancer in the entire world. Sure. So I am, I am kind of treating blindly. But remember, these are stage four cancer patients that are coming to me. They're children that have been told or their parents have been told that they're going to die. Mm. There's nothing left. It's unfortunate that, of course, they wait till this late end stage before they come to see me. Mm. But I am terribly fearful of underdosing. And what I have found is overdosing does not harm them. Sure. So if I can get the cancer under control or get them cancer-free, then what we do is we make sure we have a few scans or tests that show that the cancer's gone at least three to six months, and then we reduce the dosing. This is not long-term treatment that the child has to remain on high doses. Okay, and have you seen any adverse effects from this, or it's, it's been fine? Sure. The, the, the biggest side effect is severe sedation, which usually children accommodate to, so after a while they stop being... But I've had a handful of teenagers who are taking very high doses of CBD, mm. THC, and the other cannabinoids. The THC, as you know, in high doses can really aggravate anxiety. They're mm. already anxious because of their illness and sure. what they're going through, and it does seem to cause that. So in those cases, of course, you know, I stay in close touch with the families, and if mm. they report anxiety like this, we try to pull back a little bit on the THC. If they're seeing good results, believe it or not, they're very nervous to pull back on the THC sure. because they are terrified that they might lose their child. And, if we, again, if the cancer is shrinking, we don't want to mess with it. That's what I was going to ask you. What sort of results are you yeah. seeing? So it depends on the stage. It depends on the cancer. It depends on how, good the, how compliant they are with the treatment. It depends on what other chemotherapy that they might be on. It looks like chemo and, and many chemos plus cannabinoids may be synergistic. Of course, there's not enough research, but there's a handful of cannabinoids that have shown synergy. And those, I have a handful of patients who I've treated with known synergies with between cannabis and the oncologist manages the chemo, and we have seen some very nice results. Fantastic. Including tumors shrinking, remission? Tumors disappearing. Disappearing. Gone. Remission. Complete, completely have, healthy patients. I have now. a patient who's four years uh, cancer-free from a stage four bone cancer, and I have another little girl who's uh, almost five years now. I think this coming summer she'll be five years from a Wilms tumor. Okay, and were those um, cannabinoid treatments alone, or were they the combined? So one was cannabis plus chemo in the bone cancer. The little girl with the Wilms tumor did a partial chemo treatment and then continued on with cannabinoids. Okay. 
Um, fantastic. And very interested to know about ADHD in your practice sure. and whether you're treating that with any particular types of cannabinoids sure. or it's also a mix um, and how patients are responding. Right. So remember, what is ADHD? It's a disorder of neurotransmitters, right? The compounds that they prescribe affect your neurotransmitters. So yet this is just another medicine that can do that. Um, I see many patients, when I see, and I, I take care of young adults as well. So a lot of young adults prefer to use THC to manage their um, symptoms. Many parents, of course, when they come with a child with ADHD, they are a little nervous. I explain to them about how their child may have an endocannabinoid deficiency, and THC is a replacement. But often we will try to manage with other compounds. Remember, again, it's not one size fits all. I have patients that are using high CBD, low THC with great results. Other patients, THC alone. Some patients, THCA. Some patients, CBG, cannabigerol. So remember, this plant gives us a slew of cannabinoid compounds in addition to the terpenes, which are the essential oils. And one has to be open to try the different um, compounds or you'll miss out on treatment. Okay, fantastic. Um, and are they, is that for very young children as well? I mean, I know that they're giving methylphenidate right. to four-year-olds. Sure. Sure. Is it okay I to have give cannabinoids treated, to children? It, well, again, remember, anandamide deficiency. The youngest patient I've ever treated with seizures was six weeks old. We did not see any harm. I'm a very conservative, careful doctor. Do no harm is my motto and my oath. But at the same time, Remember that with cannabis, you can give a dose. If we see something we don't like, we don't do that again. It's so easy. If a parent says we're going to take a break from it, you can literally stop it on a dime. You do not need to wean. You know, when you give patients benzodiazepines, opiates, uh, seizure medications, it's very hard to just stop these. And if you have bad effects, oh, well, you're going to have to take it and wean off of it or else you're going to have much worse effects. So uh, cannabis is a very kind of flexible pliable, easy to work with if you understand it and get the, you know, a part of this comes from years of clinical experience, but, you know, at the same time, there's really no downside to trying it in patients. I don't, I don't see any reason that I would withhold it from a child who is suffering. Okay. Um, one very last question. I guess the main uh, thing that uh, doctors and governments um, would throw up and say would be, um, what about the risk of psychosis or sure. schizophrenia um, sure. and triggering that in a young person? Um, right. So remember, those studies come from chronic heavy use of recreational teenagers, not medically supervised multiple cannabinoid. We're talking about high THC with no medical supervision. So not even in the same family. I have not seen psychosis in any of my patients. Um, I never, well, I shouldn't say never. I rarely use THC by itself as a medicine in young patients because the combination of THC with other cannabinoids is so beneficial to treat all of the various kind of symptoms and manifestations that it makes no sense to use something that creates tolerance and that potentially could be intoxicating to use that by itself. You know, many adult, like, I treat my adult patients like adults. Um, the, we live, I live in a country, and most countries have legal alcohol and cigarettes where people are dropping dead from their use of, this is rec, clearly recreational use, addictive. Um, cannabis is, is much more safe, and I just don't, I don't concern myself. Now, of course, if I have a family that comes in and there's a teenager 
and there's a, a family history of schizophrenia or bipolar, I get that history and I share with the family we must, must, must incorporate other cannabinoids. This teenager should not be using THC on his own outside of a medically supervised program. Um, very luckily, very rarely, I've had two teenage boys who stepped outside of my medical supervision and got themselves one in legal trouble and the other in medical trouble, i.e. the anxiety was out of control. This is because they didn't listen to my medical advice and um, unfortunately hard lesson learned. Sure. Um, but at the same time, that is clearly not a reason to restrain others from using cannabis. If we saw that, then we, nobody would ever get an opiate, right? Because of all the people dropping dead from opiates. Sure, or al alcohol. Right, alcohol even. and all of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Goldstein. Um, thank you for joining us on CannabisRadio.com at the ISM. on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.